What is going on, everybody? Jamie Shaw here again on the Absolute Basketball Podcast. Very excited for you guys to listen to today's guest, NC State head coach Kevin Keats. As we get to get into his rise as a coach, uh, his time as a player, his time as a football quarterback in high school. Also, we get to talk about the team, uh, what they have to look forward to, uh, and all that type of stuff. Coming up, very excited for you guys to get to listen. Peel back the layers of uh, Coach Kevin Keats. But before we get into it, we asked the normal, if you would please go ahead and subscribe to this podcast. If you would please rate it five stars. And if you would also uh, leave in the comment section below what you enjoyed listening to the most about what Coach Keats had to say. Very much appreciate it. Those all uh, help us in the rankings uh, within. It, it gets more people uh, listening and, and it puts it in front of more people's eyes, which enables these coaches' stories, these players' stories, to be heard by more people. And that's at the end of the day, uh, we want all the people to, uh, we want these stories to be told. Um, so if you would rate five stars, subscribe, and then leave in the comment section below what you enjoyed about what Coach Keats had to say. But without further ado, here is NC State head coach. Kevin Keats on the Absolute Basketball Podcast with Jamie Shaw. Thank you guys very much. So Kevin Keats is a winner, kind of took on like wildfire, uh, you know, ever since you came to state. We'll go back to your high school days as a quarterback at Heritage High School where you only lost one game in your high school career. First off, what type of quarterback were you? You know what? I um, And I only – I think we lost some games when I was younger as a JV guy. I don't think I lost a game my senior year. You know, I was a starting quarterback and we got hurt. Mm-hmm. And my coach, who I respect, on uh, John Walker, said, we're going to save you until the next week. Uh, I had sprung my ankle pretty bad, and we ended up losing the game. That was a tough one. Uh, Jamie, I was an option quarterback. Um, you know, I, I would mix it up, run a little bit. I wasn't a great passer, um, but I was a, a quarterback that would seek contact. I didn't mind, you know, obviously getting out there and, and running like a running back. Um, but I had a great backcourt. My backcourt, uh, my backfield, I'm saying backcourt, but I had a great uh, backfield that both rushed for over a 1,000 yards. And uh, I loved uh, football. But at that point, I made the decision I'm not taking any more free hits. So that's how I kind of said, you know what, basketball is going to be my first and only love. And then kind of expanding on that, winning has been something that's kind of – you know, throughout your whole life, how important is winning? Well, you know, when I made the statement, um, and you're right, it's taken off. Um, Kevin Keats is a winner. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't talking about, you know, on the court. I was talking about, you know, in life. I was talking about, you know, in the classroom, the coaches that we have um, established. And, um, you know, I'm competitive. And I just don't want to win you know, uh, on a basketball court, I want to win some recruiting battles. I want to win in the classroom. You know, I'm, you know, I'm sitting here uh, talking to my academic folks today and I'm asking them, how did my freshman do in summer one? Because I want to win. And, and we got a 3.5 as a freshman group. Um, but I'm trying to do everything on and off the court, because I think if you can win off the court, then it, it you know, equates to winning on the court. So I know a lot of people thought it was just, uh, you know, he's just talking about basketball. And I've had a lot of success in basketball. But to me, winning is more than just what you do um, on game night. And then you go on to play basketball at Ferrum College. You average 13 points per game your senior year. Um, you graduate in 95. 96, as you mentioned before, you jump right into coaching at Southwest uh, Michigan, JUCO. And then you go prep at Hargrave. Kind of the first question off of that, was coaching always in the cards for you? Is that always something you wanted to do? No, Jamie, that's a, 
That's a great question. I didn't, I'm like most guys, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And so I was trying to finish, uh, I was at, I was at firm and I was, you know, trying to finish some classes if I could. And my, my coach who I played for, Bill Pullen, had a major car accident, almost to the um, point where he almost got his leg cut off. And, you know, we had a new assistant, um, Steve Profrock, and Steve didn't know any of the plays. He didn't do any of that stuff. But he had to run the program for a little bit to, to Coach Pullen um, recover. So I just kind of stayed and hung out with him and tried to help him. And then I said, man, this coaching thing is not a bad deal. And so I ended up, um, you know, Steve – the following year, he's a guy that took the job at Southwestern Michigan Junior College, and he invited me to, to get involved with basketball. And then uh, I, as I was there for a year, James Johnson, who's on my staff, he was the assistant coach under Scott Shepard at Hargrave Military Academy. And he said, um, I think he got a job at Old Dominion as the uh, director of player uh, basketball operation. And he said, Scott wants to talk to you about this job. And now, from that point on, I was like, man, I got to get out of Michigan. It's too cold for me. And it's kind of how I got to hard race. So looking back on it, JUCO and prep schools offer, you know, a very unique experience for a young coach. You get to recruit. You get to coach on the floor. You get to be around high-level players that Division One coaches are recruiting and all that type of stuff. Would you say that starting off that particular route has, has helped you as you grow and become successful in the profession? Yeah, uh, Jamie, my, my time at Hargrave um, is probably the most valuable time that I had to get me to this point right now. Certainly um, getting the chance to work for a Hall of Fame coach and Rick Pitino was good. But at Hargrave, you know, we had to develop a program. We had to recruit new guys every time. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we were averaging, as you know, because you used to come see us at the time, we were averaging about 10 or 11 Division I guys per year. But it was also a program as a young coach that I could make some mistakes and nobody ever knew that I made a mistake. Um, you know, we were winning. Um, you know, I could, you know, and, and I learned the system. Um, I learned, I developed how I wanted to play. I wanted to have a pressing and running style. We kind of did that because we had 10 guys that wanted to play. So we would try to put five guys on the floor and have them play as hard as they can and then get five more guys in so we could, you know, so those guys could have a chance to be seen by college scouts. And, and so my time there, I develop a system I'm doing. It's crazy. Some of the same offenses and some of the same defenses I still use. Um, but it was, it was invaluable to me. Um, I wouldn't pass it up for the world. I know people say, man, when you coach in prep, prep school, it's not like coaching in college. But it really is when you have the type of kids that we had. And so, uniquely enough, you've only spent five years total as a Division One assistant coach, two under Greg White at Marshall, and then you had three under Rick Pitino at Louisville. What did you take away and kind of learn being on the floor with these, with these two coaches? Well, details, um, the small, the little things that make you win, um, their ability to relate to players, um, communication, how hard you had to work, um, you know, I, I came in to both programs with a pretty good work ethic. But when I left out there, it was even better than when I came. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's what you learn. You learn, you know, some things that you're going to take from, uh, you know, I, I'll take some stuff from when I played in college. I'll take some stuff that, you know, Greg White did at, at Marshall. And I'll take a few things for, you know, what Coach Patino did. And so what happens is 
when you get your opportunity, you've been building a, a playbook of how you want to do things. Mm -hmm. And so it gave me an understanding that when I do get my opportunity, here's what I like, here's what I don't, and here's what I think that we can be successful at. And, and that's worked for us so far. While you're, while you're two tenures at Hargrave, uh, you coached the likes of Josh Howard, David West, James White, Maurice Spates, Joe Alexander, in all nine NBA guys and 103 Division I guys who signed Division I out there. You amassed a 262-17 and 17 overall record in your, in your tenure there. What year would you say was the most fun that you had coaching at, at Hargrave? Yeah, man, you, that's, like asking me to, um, that's like asking me to choose between my um, – two kids um, who I have, man, I had a great time. Um, you know, I think about all the lives that we were able to change. Um, mm -hmm. You know, a lot of those guys came to us for different reasons. Um, some guy, if you take a guy like Joe Alexander, he was fully qualified, just didn't have the looks that he wanted out of high school. And then when you take, um, you know, guys like Maurice Spates, guys like Vernon Macklin, um, guys like David West, Josh Howard, you know, those guys, some of those guys needed some academic work or some SAT prep stuff. But I love all my experiences there because for me, it was about having an opportunity to see a kid come in and, and when he left, he was a better player, he was a better student. And you knew that he was going to go on to some college program and have an effect on that college program and play as a freshman. So I'm not, Jamie, I'm not going to do that and get, tell you which team is the best. I do have... I will say this with a couple of North Carolina guys, I do have one team that was undefeated, and that was D Boss and Demir Pitts. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's, it, you're right. It, it, it's an unfair question, but maybe more so. What is it about that place that has allowed so much success, even after you leave with AW and Lee continuing the type of success Hargrave has? What, type, what is it about that place that just breeds success? Well, we, we had developed a culture. And, um, you know, we develop, you know, how hard you work. Uh, it's, it's a military school, so um, it's not always the most popular place. But, you know, if you can do eight or nine months at Hargrave Military Academy, then everything would else be easy when you go to college. Um, you know, those guys who make the sacrifice to go to Hargrave gave up a lot of things. Um, they had to wear uniforms. They had to get up early in the morning in March. They didn't have cell phones at times. And, and so... I knew when I was sending a kid to college that, you know, he was a kid that was prepared. He was more mature. I think all of the parents loved that part about it. Um, and when you look, so many guys left their program that are either playing professionally in the NBA or overseas, or they're doing something special with their life. Mm -hmm. um, you go from Hargrave, you get the call from Rick Patino to come on staff at, at Louisville. You spend uh, three years there, uh, culminating in being the associate head coach for the national championship winning team at the time. Uh, what were your three years like in Louisville, and how did you grow uh, in your time from a Hargrave head coach to be a successful head coach at Wilmington? Well, it was great. Um, you know, we had some very successful teams. Um, I, I had a chance, as I told you, to work for a Hall of Fame coach that, by the way, um, he allowed you to coach. Um, he didn't put you in a box. You know, as a matter of fact, if you wasn't, you know, coaching, he would bring you in and say, I didn't bring you here to just stand around. Um, he gave you freedom. He didn't, you know, so many days when guys come in, you know, you, you're either a recruiter or you're a coach. With him, we did everything. We recruited, we scouted, we developed. And, um, you know, I, I took so much from that um, because it humbles you because when you see somebody else who had been so successful, 
and for him to be able to say, hey, we need you guys to do more and, and kind of groomed you and, and allowed you to become who you are. Um, I think that's really great because a lot of times when you go work for folks, you don't have as much say. Uh, and it didn't, in this case, we, we had a lot of say. I had a chance to work with some really good guys and, and to obviously uh, coach some great players that you know, we had that uh, were winners. They were champions and they played so hard. And in 2014, your name's hot coming off the season that you guys have. You end up taking the job at Wilmington. Uh, what was it that was so attractive about the Wilmington job to, to take you there? Well, anytime you look at a job, and I'll tell you how I, I met um, the athletic director, Jimmy Bass, um, you know, we were doing, um, they had a, where they brought the top assistants out um, to Minnesota and sit down with everybody and you do mock drafts and everything else. And I had a chance, um, the ADs would come and I had a chance to meet uh, Jimmy Bass. And Jimmy Bass is a great man. And we talked for a long time and he paired us up in cornhole. And it, you think about the time we went, I don't remember what month it was, but it was so cold in Minnesota. I think we were trying to do it on the football field. Well, Jimmy and I, we got our butts absolutely kicked in cornhole. We were awful. Uh, but that being said, you know, um, I had a chance to develop a relationship with him. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, that Villa 7 that we went to was really, really good, man. It was some of the top um, coaches, assistant coaches in the country. And so when the job came up, um, you know, Jimmy reached out to me and we had some conversations and, you know, I looked at Wilmington as a great place. Um, I know they had struggled um, previously, but when you look at it, you know, they, they had had a couple NCAA tournaments. Um, you know, um, Jerry Wainwright had some success, Brad Brownell, and then in between it didn't go so well. And so I looked at a place that had already won uh, somewhere I thought that I could, you know, make a major input. Um, you know, put my um, stamp on, you know, was in North Carolina, which I've always done a great job recruiting North Carolina. Um, I didn't have a hard time selling my wife and kids because it was the beach. And then I was so excited that I, I got offered the job and then I ended up taking the job. Mm -hmm. And then in your three seasons there, uh, you know, you won the conference uh, championship regular season all three years. You made it two NCAA tournaments. You're a two-time conference coach of the year. Uh, won 72 games overall in the three seasons. Um, what legacy do you think you left on the UNC Wilmington Seahawks program? Well, the legacy is that, um, you know, I remember who's a close friend of mine. It's a, it's a young lady, and she'll love to know this, Nancy. Um, she said, man, I want you to get this place. Because all they talked about at Wilmington was, you know, we used to, people used to stand outside and start, try to Skype for tickets so they could, obviously getting the game was so packed. And she said, I've never seen that coach. And I said, well, just hang tight. Um, we'll give you that opportunity. And so what we built there was we got the fans back engaged. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when that place is rocking, trash, Coliseum, I don't know, Jamie, if you've ever been to a game there, it's the toughest place to play. Um, and it's a great town for basketball. And when UNC Wilmington basketball is good, the whole town does well. And so – you know, I, I came in and I, you know, got a great staff. Um, we hit the ground running. Uh, we had to change mindsets. Um, you know, these guys hadn't won in eight or nine years. And I think the previous year, they hadn't even won a road game. And that's where we got the ice cream. You start winning a road game, then we'll give you ice cream. My first Division One win was at, um, we played in the Coliseum against UNCG. 
and, and I went into the locker room and these guys didn't know how to act. They hadn't won a road game in so long. And I'm sitting there like, man, what do I do? And I said, you know what, guys, we're going to get ice cream. And that's kind of stuck ever since then. But it's a great place. Um, you know, uh, I give the guys that I inherited a lot of credit. Um, I told them when I took the job, we're going to get in the best shape of our lives. And um, you guys are going to be really good. And they looked at me like I was crazy. That game, that year we won 18 games. And we just started developing a culture. And we went from 18 to 25 to 29. Uh, when I first got there, we were picked preseason to finish nine. The only, only reason we wasn't picked to finish 10th is because Elon had just joined the conference. And then we would pick six, and then we would pick one. And you know, give our guys credit, you know, it, it went in the right direction. And, you know, having the chance to get the program back where it needed to be and hang some uh, banners in the arena, that was a great thing. And, and uh, how important is it to you now that, that your guy, Takeo Siddle, is taking over that job? And, and, and how well do you think he's going to do down there carrying that kind of uh, legacy on? You know what? I'm I'm so excited, um, Jamie. I know you guys are really good friends, and you've known him for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, I'm excited for Takeo because he'll do a tremendous job. You know, he he was certainly a huge part in our success when we were there. Um, but he's young. He's energetic. Um, he's got personality. He can do a great job recruiting. He's done a great job ever since the first day that I hired him. He played for me at. Um, at Hargrave, don't ever let him tell you he was a good player because he wasn't. That, make, that means he's going to be a good coach. But I, I, he, he'll do a great job. Um, I'm excited that they gave him an opportunity, and uh, I'm excited to watch his teams here in the near future. And moving on to kind of what you got going here at North Carolina uh, State, you lose your top two scores off of last year's team, but you return four guys who started at least 15 games last year. Uh, what were you be expecting? Uh, what what type of step forward will we be expecting from Jericho, Manny, uh, Devin, DJ coming into the season? You know, I, I like my bunch. Um, you know, I've got a great recruiting class and five freshmen who are going to be good for them who are from the state of North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And then, so what I've told everybody is we've got a mixture, um, uh, a mixture of you know freshmen and upperclassmen and some guys who are veterans. And so when you think about Manny, think about what he did as a freshman, you know, led the ACC in shot blocks and one of the best shot blockers in the country. Mm -hmm. I think he'll even get better. Once he gets better offensively, you know what you're getting from him defensively. Jericho had some really, really good games for us. He started a lot for us. Um, he can make shots. He's a kind of a one of those hybrid forwards. Um, up until he had that nasty fall at Wake Forest where he had the concussion, you could make an argument he was playing the best basketball. And then when you look at Devin Daniels and how he finished the year and how great he played and his confidence grew and he started being one of the most coachable guys on the team, um, he's one, he'll be one of the better guards, in my opinion, that's returning in the ACC. Uh, DJ Funderburg, though he didn't have a great year as far as, um, you know, shooting the basketball from the outside and his assisted turnover wasn't great, uh, one of the best offensive rebounders in our league. Um, he also is a guy who's capable of being a double-double guy. And so you can just go down the line and, and, and who wants to leave out Braxton Beverly, who is um, you know, one of my favorite guys, can really shoot the basketball. Didn't shoot it as well um, this year because I think he was a little bit tired and his back was bothering him. But, you know, he's a guy who started, you know, as a freshman when we went to the NCAA tournament. You had transfers like Thomas Allen and, 
uh, Darion Sebron, who nobody knows who was sitting out last year, then I like the team that we're returning, and I like our opportunities this year. And then I was going to add, Darion and Thomas were going to be the next up in the, in the questioning, is, is, is how, how are they fit in into what you already have with their, you know, length and versatility and, and, and play creation ability? Well, Darion is six seven, and uh, what I like about him is he can play several positions on the floor. If you want to go small, he can be a four man. If you want to play a big point guard, he can play that. Um, his versatility is what we don't have. He's super athletic. Uh, he's a guy that, uh, as his shots continue to get better, um, he could be a really good ACC player. And then Thomas brings um, experience. Um, when you think of Thomas, um, you think of Braxton Beverly, a guy that can make shots. Um, a guy who's capable of playing um, the one or two. Um, he is a better defender than he's given credit for. Um, Thomas, I didn't say that, so if you hear this, don't listen to that. <laughs> um, but he has a chance to be really good, but he's also a, a guy who can be a veteran in the locker room. Mm-hmm. And then you made a lot of noise, as you mentioned before, this incoming freshman class. You signed five freshmen, four of which are from the state of North Carolina. Was targeting the best in the state of North Carolina something that you intended to do going out, or did the chips just fall that way? Yeah, no, Jamie, I, I love our state. Um, and I know, and thanks to you, you do a tremendous job of making sure that the kids in this uh, state get the recognition they deserve. Um, my, what I want to do is I want to recruit our state uh, really hard and find the guys who fit my system. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I want to bring some other guys from outside of, you know, this area just to compliment these guys. And, you know, when you look at our roster, I'm thinking we got four freshmen. Um, you got Thomas Allen. You got Manny Bates. Um, so that makes us a six right now. So we're getting close to where at least half of our roster uh, is from the state of North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And, and I like that part about it. Um, I think it's important that this state has some really good players. Everybody don't fit your system. But in the most part, we're going to target the guys that we think fit us and just are the best players. And then with those four freshmen from the state of North Carolina, Cam Hayes, Shaquille Moore, Jalen Gibson, Nick Farrar, what can you tell us a little bit about uh, how you're expecting them to come in and kind of affect uh, the program? You know, I I love all of those guys because, and honestly, I think they all bring something different to the table. Uh, When you look at – uh, Shaquille, and, you know, he's a guy that's electric and can play the one or the two. Uh, him and Cam Hayes, as you know, played together at AAU, and uh, Cam's exceptional. You know, did a good job playing over at Greensboro Day. Um, he's, got, he's a guy who, you know, we'll look at as playing majority point, but you can also move him over. Uh, super athletic. Um, Shaquille, as you know, athletic as he can be. Uh, those two guys could be a heck of a backcourt at some point during their career here. And then, you know, uh, when you think about Nick, um, you think about Nick, it's probably one of the most underrated guys in the country. Um, you know, I think during the John Wall, people saw how good he could be. Uh, when you score 93 points in three days, um, I think people learn about you. But he's a tough matchup guy because, you know, he's 6'6", can kind of play some four and three and has a chance to be really good. And then late, we're excited to pick up um, Jalen. Uh, Jalen Gibson's got a chance. Um, you know, he's long, he's athletic, um, he has perimeter skills, he can really shoot it. Um, once he adds a little bit more weight, he's got a chance to be really good in this program. So those five guys, uh, those four guys, and then I want I don't want to leave EB out because he's not from uh, North Carolina yep. because we love him. Um, 
We think he's an underrated guy who also can play some four and five fours, block shots, and as his offense develops, he could be really good. So when you add those five guys, I like the team that we have. Uh, of course, you know, we signed um, Josh Hall, who is going to be a tremendous player. Um, we wish him nothing but best and good luck in the draft. And I, I certainly hope um, he gets that opportunity to show people how good he can be one day. And notably missing, you know, obviously you mentioned Josh Hall there. What conversations did you have with him leading into his decision, I guess, kind of to, to, to go to the NBA? Jamie, I'm very uh, supportive. Um, I kind of leave it up to their family. I try to give them as much information as I can. And um, I'm very supportive. And so when the decision made that he was deciding to stay in the draft, um, you know, I was happy for him um, because, I, you know, in my opinion, it's not – it's not up to me to determine if somebody else's child's ready. And uh, I think his, his mom and dad and, and also Josh felt comfortable in the situation they were going to go to. And so I'm happy for him. And he's a tremendous talent, and um, I'm excited for him. Every coach wants their program, their team to have an identity. You've mentioned a couple times that your style of play, that's your style of play and all that type of stuff. What is the identity of a Kevin Keats coached basketball team? Yeah, you know, Jamie, I think identity comes to when you leave, if you leave a game, win or loss, you, you say something about a program. And so my identity is, I hope when you leave our game, whether we won the game or lost that man, those guys play so hard. Um, they play for each other. They play for NC State and they play so hard. They compete. And as long as we're doing that and we're putting the product on the floor that we feel like that, you know, we'll compete every night, then I'm happy with our guys. How have you been able to kind of stay connected with your team during this time of quarantine these last two or three months? Well, Jamie, I'm the Zoom um, master of the world now. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, don't, I don't take a lot of their time. I, I Zoom with my team probably once a week. Um, I do the freshmen, you know, a couple times at some time because sometimes we're doing some chalk talk with those guys um, because, you know, obviously we would have had them for – eight weeks of summer school, but because of uh, the pandemic, we haven't had a chance to get them on campus. Um, but, you know, it's mostly Zoom, FaceTime, I'll text with them. Uh, and we talk about a bunch of things, more things about how your family's doing, uh, are you okay? Uh, we talk about some social injustice stuff. How do you guys feel about that? Uh, we talk about, you know, basketball is the last thing that we talk about. We talk about academics, um, you know, what, what's expected and, you know, what we need you to do this summer. And so I've used Zoom, I've used um, FaceTime, and I've used um, text message to have communication with them. And then obviously during this time of quarantine, you mentioned the social injustices uh, with the recent murders of Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, Ahmaud Aubrey. Uh, I guess a two-part question here. What conversations have you been able to have with the players? And secondly, what conversations do you think we need to be having as a society? Well, the conversation with the players is I, I want to be able to listen. Um, you know, back, Jamie, in 1991, you know, I was their age. And, and that's when you had the incident with Rodney King. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, not only, you know, my players on the team, but also my, I got two sons who are 16 and 12. And so I had to sit down and talk to them here in 2020 and explain some of the things that my father had explained to me, um, some things that I, you know, I would hope that wouldn't be happening during this time. And so we do the Zoom call with our players. I, I opened it up and I finished it. But in between for about an hour, hour five, I just let them talk and, and then vent. 
And I want our guys to have a voice. Um, I want them to use their platform in a positive way. And that's what I told them. Um, you know, I, I want those guys to understand that this is not, you know, something that should be happening. Uh, and as far as what we need to do uh, as a society, and especially as coaches, um, when you look at us in the ACC, I think everybody needs to get on board. If you look at what happened uh, for eight minutes and 46 I mean, eight, yeah, eight minutes, 46 seconds for George Floyd, and you're not disappointed about that or you don't feel bothered, it doesn't bother you, then probably something's wrong with you. Uh, I just think everybody needs to get on board, whether you're black or white, and understand that we all need to fight against racism. Absolutely. And, and in that, you mentioned you have a 12-year-old and a 16-year-old young son. Everybody's wondering about the, the work-life balance and all that. How is it, you know, with your son now becoming a recruitable athlete in the 2022 class at, at Broughton, how is it, how, how is that relationship, you know, you differentiating from coach to father um, and, and watching him go through this process? Well, it's, it's good because I, during the year, I tried to get out with Jamie and get to as many games as I can that he would play. And then I would try to come home and try to spend as much time as I can with them anytime that there's an opportunity for those guys to travel with me. I'll allow them to. Um, because of the pandemic, you know, we've had more time to spend and talk. And, you know, actually I get a chance now to work out my kids more than I've ever did before. Mm-hmm. And I think that's helped. Uh, you know, with the kids today, you know, you want to, and if there are any parents that are listening, um, you want to spend as much time with your kids because before you know it, like I've, I've you know, I'm sitting here and my son is 16 years old and he's a junior. And I don't, you know, sometimes I don't even realize how, where all the years went. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to spend as much time and be as positive as I can for him. Uh, because sometimes when you get in this business um, as a coach, you know, you, gotta, you can't forget about your own kids. Because obviously, even though the guys that you recruit in your program, they're family and they are your kids too. But you also have some kids at home. And so it's been refreshing for us to have a little time to spend together. I wish it wasn't uh, because of what's going on with the pandemic. But I'm excited uh, for KJ um, because he's getting some attention in basketball. And, you know, he didn't even play his freshman year. And so what people don't understand, he's only played one year of uh, basically high school basketball. And so he's still got, you know, some couple years to, to get better in some areas. And um, I, he's worked extremely hard. And then you mentioned the pandemic and stuff. We talked about a little bit before. Uh, they're letting football players come on campus now, and then basketball is going to follow suit after that. Do y'all have a plan in place, kind of, for easing the the, the team back onto campus and uh, hopefully getting the season started? Yeah, Jamie, we're going to bring our guys in um, on July the fifth, mm-hmm. and um, obviously, once we get them here, they'll go through different testing, um, getting tested for COVID nineteen, and and then have all type of physicals. And, and from the, that time all the way until the 19th will be more volunteer stuff and, you know, getting in the gym if they want to, uh, getting in there with the strength coach. And then we have the NCAA, the NCAA just allowed us um, a few days ago to have access on the 20th. Mm-hmm. And on the 20th, then obviously we can start our summer workouts. And then kind of winding things down here, um, what are your thoughts on the one-time transfer rule and the, and the, uh, and the name image lightness stuff that's coming down the pipeline with NCAA? Yeah, Jamie, I don't, I don't, you know, one-time transfer deal is going to be a tough deal. Um, you know, I just don't know how it's going to work. 
Um, you know, I, I'm still one of those guys who would like to see, you know, tell me how it's going to work because of the fact that, you know, transfers are, you know, it's, it's up now. And that's what I will happen to sit out. Um, I just don't know, is there going to be a GPA associated with it? Is it going to be after your freshman or sophomore year? Um, what's going to happen with that part of it? When you think of both uh, name, image, and likeness and transfer rule, I think some of that stuff will happen. Um, but I'm not comfortable until someone's able to lay out how it's going to happen. You know, everybody's saying, hey, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, but nobody says how it's going to happen. And so, you know, uh, am I for it? Um, not for it. Am I against it? Uh, not against it either. I just want to know, you know how it's going to work on either way. You know, it's like, you know, you can take a stand and say I'm for or against it. But until somebody lay out some ground rules and how it's going to work, then I don't know what the answer is to it. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of gray area still to be answered. I agree with. Lastly, wrapping things up here, what is it that makes Wolfpack Nation? What is it that makes the Coliseum? What is it that makes all that so special and such a great place to be? Oh man, I mean we we got the best fans in the in the in the world. I mean they're passionate. Um, you know they they love their players. They're protective of their players. Um, you know, they they excited. You know, I don't know if you ever – you've been to games at the PNC. Um, man, I don't know there's another venue that uh, – it's a pro arena, and it's not it's, – it's, that place is loud. Um, our fans are very active. Our students are very active. And then I tell everybody we're fortunate because uh, we're a college program that's got two great arenas to play. So we can actually take you on campus and, and play in the legendary Reynolds Coliseum, and that holds about, you know, 5,000 students, but when PNC and Reynolds is really jumping, and that's more games than not, uh, it's some of the toughest places to play in the country. Absolutely. Coach, I really appreciate you taking a couple minutes here with us. I appreciate you, uh, you know, going down uh, and, and, and talking and, and all that type of stuff. I appreciate it. And uh, anything you want to leave the fans with, anything you want to leave any Kevin Keats fans with or anything like that? Yeah, I, you know, um, I'm, I'm, we, nobody knows what's the future going to hold. Um, certainly, um, we're very, we're praying that we have football and we have football and basketball season. Um, I would just encourage the fans, if you're, if you like football and basketball season, uh, I want everybody to be safe. Um, and, you know, we got to somehow, you know, flatten the curve with the pandemic and, and as far as this uh, virus is spreading. So anything that you can do on your part to, um, to help that, that will certainly help because it, it, as, it, if it, as it gets better, we will have the opportunity to play football in a full season. And then um, I'll say this to our fans, uh, with everything that's going on in the world, you know, man, this is a world, you know, we should love each other. And I think it's time for everybody to come together and stop fighting and, you know, let's, you know, let's make a positive impact on people's lives instead of what's going on. And, you know, we need everybody to help, whether you're black or white. Um, if you have a voice, um, it's probably time for you to speak up. Absolutely. That, that's great. Couldn't have said it better. Um, appreciate you taking the time. I can't wait to see what the season brings for you. I, I, I've loved everything that you've done so far, and it's, I, I'm sure continued success moving forward. Jamie, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Guys, thank you very much for tuning in to the Absolute Basketball Podcast. For Kevin Keats, I am Jamie Shaw. We'll see you next time.